Hi, Greg Perry, the historic preservationist. Welcome to episode 238. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, something that's essential. It's not 18th century in the sense of uh, true restoration, but it's, it, you know, it's used a lot in the conservation and preservation of period houses. But we're going to talk about caulking, how to choose and use adhesive sealants. So, uh, so like, what if there was a substance that would boost heating and cooling efficiency and control moisture in kitchens and bathrooms? All while beautifying the house. So what if this product sold for only a few bucks and every hardware store and, and required no great skill to install? So chances are, It'd be one of the most common projects undertaken by homeowners. Caulking. So let's say this winter you're, you're finally going to caulk the drafty frames around your doors and windows. So at the supply house or hardware store, you know, you're sitting there, you're confronted with hundreds of caulks, each promising better results than the next one. With a shrug, you pick a good-looking one, probably for the the uh, the uh, container it's in, take it home and set the filling to cracks and you fill, 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 wipe and clean and the work looks good but your pride wears off about a year later when the caulk begins to crack and peel. Because caulking is such a unceremonious garden variety chore, even the most diligent workers, homeowners and professionals alike don't give it much thought. Yet it's not child's play. Sometimes you get away with the undisciplined approach. Sometimes you don't. For all those caulkers out there, here are the fundamentals of elastometric sealants from picking the right caulk to creating a flexible, durable seal. Inside and out. So before I get into the nitty gritty, let's review where caulk should be used on an old house in where it shouldn't. Caulk can help insulate and weatherize, but this should be done from the inside. If the exterior is sealed up tight, humid interior air filled with moisture from showers, food preparation, and house plants won't be able to get out. In many, it may condense and puddle inside walls, ruining the caulk and worse. The interior of these walls should be sealed tighter than the exterior. That inhibits migration through the walls, but when some air inevitably gets through, it finds an easy exit. For the exterior, caulking should be limited to preventing rainwater, which is infiltration. Caulk around windows and doors and anywhere siding meets trim. Caulk the seams between dissimilar materials, such as chimney to siding joints and sill to foundation joints. Caulk cracks and water faucet penetrations and clapboards and other siding, seams and gutters, splits and driveways, and around triple track storm frames. Do not caulk the horizontal seams where clapboard overlaps because the boards that comprise the soffit are anywhere else that's not subject to water infiltration. Inside the house is where caulking can reduce heating bills. Thoroughly seal around windows, doors, vents, outlets, switches, fixtures, baseboards, 
between floorboards and any other place where the heat and moisture can escape the living space. Also seal masonry basements, especially around pipe holes, sump pumps, and their covers, and where the floor meets walls, to block heat loss, moisture infiltration, and possibly radon gas. Caulk seams around fixtures and between surfaces in the kitchen and bathrooms to seal moisture out of the walls and floors. In apartment houses, a good caulk job in the kitchen can keep roaches out. So, let's go down the caulking aisle in your favorite store. The hardest part of the job is picking the right caulk. Early caulks consisted of mud, straw, sticks, and sod. Then came putties made from animal fat and linseed oil, often mixed with lime or lead. Today, shelves are stocked with caulks made from latex, acrylics, butyl rubber, silicone, polyurethane, and specialty items with the very latest in promising polymers. Technically, these substances are sealants. They adhere to both sides of a gap and create a watertight bond. To work, a sealant must flex as the two sides move. Buildings and the earth itself shift. Building materials shrink and swell with changing temperature and humidity levels and old house residents cause its parts to move. Caulk must stretch and compress to handle the movement without pulling off the substrate or ripping. Exteriors need the most flexible caulks because temperature and humidity vary the most, causing gaps to grow and shrink. This is especially true when you're sealing dissimilar materials because they reach different, differently to climactic changes. The caulk must be moisture and mildew resistant and must perform well under ultraviolet light exposure. You may also want a product with rust inhibitors to prevent leaching of rust from nails and flashing. Interior woodwork especially doesn't need a super duper caulk. The material will not be subject to extremes of the outdoors and will generally be painted. Painters often use a vinyl latex caulk, an inexpensive option that doesn't offer high flexibility or moisture resistance. So if you're sealing near heat or cold sources or in moist areas, go for a better product. Kitchen and bathrooms require a material that adheres to the non-porous surface of tiles and porcelain fixtures, and possibly only also to porous woodwork and plaster. It should resist moisture and mildew, and the caulk will need at least moderate flexibility to handle temperature and humidity changes, especially in bathrooms. So getting prepped. So caulk won't adhere to dirty substrates. Good prep work is at least as important as caulking as is for painting. Concrete and mortar should be fully cured and dry. For old stone, brick, and concrete, remove dirt and effervescence by wire brushing. Remove all protective coatings from the water repellents. Clean stone and metal with a solvent, which is a methyl ethyl ketone, but do not use solvents on concrete because they can just push dirt into the pores. A powerful vacuum or oil-free compressor is useful to clean out loose dirt. Some caulks require special primer to prepare a porous substrate. Glazed tile and glass should be dry and free of old caulk. 
soap scum, dirt, and mildew. Washing with soap and water leaves a residue of its own. Better is a solvent such as isopropyl alcohol. Always wipe away any solvents with a dry rag before they evaporate. Remove mold and mildew with a solution of one part bleach and two parts water. Wood should be dry and dust-free. Any loose paint or, or old caulk should be scraped away with a paint scraper, window bar, or razor blade. Stubborn caulks and, <clears throat> and put putties can be softened with a heat gun and a hairdryer. For weathered wood and other highly porous materials, sand or wire brush to provide a sound and clean substrate for good adherence. So moving with the groove. So for working joints where the substrate will move, caulk should be able to flex 25%. That means the material will stretch or compress for a total of 25% of the original paint width. It's best to create the joint when it's about halfway between the extremes. This means in the spring or fall, or at least in moderate temperatures, for exterior work and some interior weatherizing. For the seam around the top of bathtubs, consider filling the tub halfway with water before laying on the bead. This weights down the tub, expanding the gaps to make, to make as a must point. This approach does not apply if it's more interesting. Caulk it and let it dry for 24 hours before draining the water or using the tub. It's important to get the dimensions of the joint right. For a one quarter by one inch half wide gap, the sealant should be one quarter inch deep. For a one half to one inch joint, it should be half as deep as it is wide. For gaps in masonry wider than one inch, the caulk should be no greater than one half inch thick. For wider masonry gaps and gaps more than one inch between the materials, consult the caulk manufacturer. For working joints, the caulk joint should be an hourglass shape. That provides thickness at the sides where it adheres to the thinner middle and can expand and contract. If the middle is far too thick, the product will not be flexible, too thin and it will tear. If it's also cru <coughs> crucial for the caulk to adhere to each side, but not the substrate behind the gap. Caulk is flexible when it can be expand and contract between the two points. But if it's attached to a third, it's prevented from stretching and it may rip or pull away from one side. You can best achieve both an hourglass shape and two-sided adhesion by using a bracket rod or polyethylene or polystyrene foam dowel. Select a highly oversized backer rod so it stays put. An alternative to backer rod is filling the void with fiberglass insulation, where the gap is too shallow for a filler, but three-dimensional adhesion is a, is, a, <coughs> is a concern. Use bond breaker or polyethylene tape. So let's talk about our gun control. It's one thing just to you know, nip off the end of a, of a tube of caulking and then you know, plunge into it and open it up for, for the squeezing process. But So time to pop a cartridge into your caulk gun and let's go to work. So cut the tip at about 45 degrees so you can hold the gun comfortably at an angle and the tip will be parallel to the surface. 
cut the tip where it's the diameter matches the diameter of the gap you're filling. If the gap is wider than the nozzle, chances are it's too wide for the product. So do not apply caulk when the temperature is below the recommendation on the cartridge, generally 40 to 50 degrees. In conditions cooler than that, caulk doesn't Caulk doesn't gun or adhere well. Also, the joint may contain moisture in the form of frost. So if you have no choice but the caulk in cold weather, store the cartridges in a heated area at working temperatures for at least 16 hours before use. So manufacturers recommend pushing the caulk into or onto the joint, working away from yourself. This has the advantage of forcing the caulk onto or into the gap and created a nice speed. Yet most professionals seem to prefer pulling, starting at one end and working around the body. This feels more comfortable, especially to, to novices, and allows you to see ahead of the caulk. Either way, the key is to squeeze out an even, full beaded dollop of caulk, free of air bubbles and with no un- uniform volume. Then at the end, release the pressure just as the, the right time to complete the joint without squirting out excess caulk. Caulk enough joints and you'll get the touch. So start with less visible areas. So tooling it alone. So most caulk should be tooled. This is more than wiping away the messy excess. It forces the material into the gap, fills voids, pushes it against the sides of the good condition, and produces a concave surface. 5 to 15 minutes. The most obvious and most common object used to tool the joint is a wet finger. It's the perfect size and shape, and it's handy. When you run out, when you run out of clean fingers quickly, and it's a slippery slope to spreading caulk, where you don't want to, also, some caulks contain toxins and some bond amazingly well to the skin, making cleanup difficult. The best tool is a caulk spatula, especially a metal putty knife with a rounded end. Otherwise, use a plastic spoon, wood tongue depressor, or metal, or metal butter knife. For those who can't resist to finger, the finger technique, wrap your finger in a rag or plastic food wrap or wear rubber gloves. No matter what tool you use, dipping it in water will make the process easier and less, and less messy. So tool the joint only once. Don't dab at the caulk, but tool it smoothly from end to end rather than tooling around your previous work. As with painting, work away from it. Press the caulk in place as you go. For porous materials, especially the caulk, must be pressed against the substrate to adhere. So after the caulk is cured for 24 hours, clean excess and spills with a razor blade. Your well-engineered seals are going to last and you won't have to break out the caulking guns for quite some time. So Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist, signing out. Thanks everyone for listening.